Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome, everyone, to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today, I'm joined by Rob Longo, Tom DeAngelis, Tom Terrace, and Don Gleichman. Welcome, one and all. Thanks, hey, thanks, thanks David. Awesome, awesome. Everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. But before we break open the bread of life, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us see how Jesus wants to speak to us today? I would love to. In the name of the Father, Father Son, Holy, Son Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the gift of your goodness, your kindness, your patience. You are an awesome, awesome God. Lord, we are so sorry for the times that, that we're not fully present to you that we just show up uh, and we're just we're not there uh, and you're always present to us Lord thank you thank you thank you and as we prepare for this Sunday's mass to encounter you in the real presence in the Eucharist to encounter you in your word we ask you to to please be with us as we break open the gospel for Sunday and uh, just allow us to be open to be open and docile to receive what the message that you have for us, and then give us the courage to be the husbands and, and fathers and mothers and wives, sons and daughters and friends and cousins, co-workers that, that God is calling us to be, that you are calling us to be, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mother Mary, please, in this month dedicated to your Holy Rosary, please help us to be, um, help us to be more open to experiencing, pray for us to be more open to experiencing that beautiful prayer in our lives, that we can journey with you uh, through Jesus's life and grow closer to him every day in the Eucharist as we pray together. Hail Mary, Hail Mary full, full of grace, grace the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Son Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 Awesome, awesome. And once again, it's the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Jesus told his disciples a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. He said, There was a judge in a certain town who neither feared God nor respected any human being. And a widow in that town used to come to him and say, Render a just decision for me against my adversary. For a long time, the judge was unwilling, but eventually he thought, While it is true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being, because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her, lest she finally come and strike me. The Lord said, Pay attention to what the dishonest judge says. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? Will he be slow to answer them? I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? 
the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As you're sharing that, David, I, was, I just wrote the word pray. As we hear Jesus say you know, about the necessity for them, for us, right, to, to pray always without becoming weary. And so I just wrote, wrote the word pray and, and you know, what is prayer? And uh, just a couple words I wrote were connection and relationship. That, that God is desiring just a connection with us. And, and if you think of our, our human relationships, those that are, that, are, uh, you know, that are going well right now in our lives are the ones where we probably feel a, a connection with the person, that we, that we connect on some or multiple levels and, uh, and things are, are going well. And, um, you know, prayer is also communication. It's also dialogue. It's talking, but just, just being Right, like you ever like you're with somebody you're so comfortable you can just kind of hang. You, know, you can just you can just be. You don't need to act like anything. You don't need to try to perform or fill in all the the dead space. You know the silences. You, you just you just be right, um, and and that's that connection that I think our Lord is is longing for. That it's not like we have to talk all the time in prayer. Like like okay, pray without ceasing. Pray without becoming weary. Oh, I, I need to talk to God 24 hours a day. Like like you know try to keep up a like a a monologue almost right. Because uh, so a lot of times my, my prayer is I'm, I, I do too much of that. But no, just hang. <laughs> Jesus is, he's fully human, right? He's fully God, fully man. And, and he wants to hang with us, right? He just wants to hang that we are so comfortable just to be. And you say, Lord, um, I'm here. And like Mother Teresa would tell her nuns, when you, when you get in Jesus' presence, just say, Jesus, I'm here, love me. Jesus, I'm wow. here, love me. And just hang, just hang with our Lord. You know, it's precious, Rob, but, and I kept, visualizing that, but it takes a discipline to step away from and unplug from the ways of the world, the noise of the world, so that we can truly come into that communion, common union, with the heart of the Father, with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit. Because the key to prayer is silence. In order to gain that silence, we must disconnect from the noise that's around us. Jesus went out into the wilderness. Jesus went up on a mountain. You know, Jesus went out in a boat. Jesus went in, you know, he went away to have quiet time with the Father because, see, prayer is predominantly listening. Listening, It's inviting God along on our journey every day. And, you know, for me as a father, as a husband, one of the big parts of my prayer life every morning, my quiet time with the Lord is, Lord, help me to love your daughter, my wife, purely and passionately this day. Then I invite him, Father, flow your love from your heart through me to her, from the heart of the father to his precious daughter, from the heart of the brother, Jesus, to his treasured sister, and to the, from the heart of the Holy Spirit to his bride, flow his beloved, flow that love through me, and then teach me how to love her purely and passionately as you do. That, to me, is the communion that common union with the heart of God, because that's where it all starts. The primacy of our life is to put God first. It's the first commandment. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Why? Because it's from that primary connection, that primary relationship, communion, that all other relationships flow. So once we get that right, then... The next is our number two vocation, which is our spouse if we're married, husband or wife. That's our number two vocation, 
our number one vocation, but number two on our primacy. And then number three is the children that God's entrusted to us because ultimately they're his children. And we're called to shepherd them home to him, to teach them his truths of love through our everyday actions, words, and life's example. Well, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, that's why it says the necessity to pray and don't become weary. We need God's help. We can't do it without him. And so for me, I got stuck right there in that sentence, Rob, and I'm like, whoo, that in and of itself, that's a powerful prayer at every moment throughout the day. And then as you're talking about silence, it's just, and we've referenced this, but it's just such a beautiful call to action, uh, really, and, and, and intentionality with Mother Teresa said, the fruit of silence is prayer, the fruit of prayer is faith. And we hear about faith at the end of this gospel, right? So the fruit of silence is prayer, the fruit of prayer is faith, the fruit of faith is love, the fruit of love is service, the fruit of service is peace. That's it. And that's why Jesus came, to give his life for each of us. So we'd have that abundant life, the, the life that money can't buy, but we gain through that relationship, that common union, that communion, the fruit of the Spirit, because then we're led by the Spirit. And we gain that peace, that joy, that love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Money can't buy it. It's a gift, a free gift from God. Jesus Christ is that gift. Let's receive him today and be those world changers we're called to be. I think it's interesting that uh, we've gone in that route um, from this gospel because I've just uh, a few days ago pulled out an, an ebook. I was just flipping through um, one of these apps that I have, and it's called. Uh, it is a book I read uh, many years ago, and so I I thought I'd come back and take a look at it because I remember it being a very inspirational book. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God, and it's attributed to Brother Lawrence. I think back in the 1100s or 1200s. But one of the things to to your point, Rob, and, and actually yours, David, about this ongoing dialogue with God is he talks about that as being our connection with God. But he also, it was, it was interesting because he also talks about how um, how dumb it is for us to disconnect from that dialogue, that ongoing dialogue with God, to reflect on trivial things. Mm-hmm. like and, and so I've been, over the last few days, I've been just kind of paying attention in the background, so to speak, of when I'm in con- conversation with God. And, uh, and again, it's not necessarily just me always speaking. Sometimes I'll ask, Lord, what do you want me to do here? And then, and then try to listen. Um, but then what are the kinds of things that take me out of that dialogue where I somehow or another feel like I put myself in this bubble or I'm, I'm in this aloneness and then I have to remind myself that I'm in the presence of God. I'm always in the presence of God. It's just whether I am aware of that or not. So I think it's interesting that we we're talking about that because I've been trying to focus on that. And then I hadn't really thought about it as prayer, but the fact is that it, it is prayer. It's, you know, anytime we're in conversation with God or, but he says that's how to be in the presence of God. And it's the primary practice is to just have that ongoing you know, that, that brother, you know, father, or that relationship with God and just talk with him, listen to him, you know. So I think both of those are important. We have a tendency to talk, 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 talk. And then when we're done talking to God, we leave church and we forget about him, you know. And then we expect, expect him just to deliver, you know. But carry that conversation out of church. Carry that conversation into the car, into the home, into your relationships, you know, every everywhere, into, into your friendships. So... Uh, it's, a, it's a great it's a great thought, a great inspiration to kind of carry throughout the day. And me as a guy, I always want to fix it. Yeah. But what yeah, God so. wants me to do is stop 
drop to my knees and pray. (laughs) Ask the Lord's help. And I find that when I do that, it slows me up. It allows God that time, as Mary did, she pondered it. It allows God that time to ponder with me the correct response to a child, not a reaction. The correct response to someone who wounded or injured me, not a reaction. So that's key in, in this prayer life is to invite God into all situations, good and bad, and ask for his help, and ask for his help. And um, when Jesus says, uh, you know, to pray without becoming weary, um, I was just struck with prayer could be like hard sometimes, like, and like you just don't want to do it. But I, I heard a priest one time talking about that, like a real man, you know, is a one who prays because it's hard. And it's easy just to say, to blow it off, you know, I'll get you tomorrow, God, and I don't want to do this right now because it's too hard. But it's when I do it that God can form like this piece of rock that I am and can chisel away through the prayer as hard as it is that he can use that to mold me into what he wants me to become. So if I'm going to be like, uh, I want to model, a, you know, a real masculine person, then I should be praying as much as I can, as hard as it is sometimes. Mm. And so that's what, it, uh, when he says about not becoming weary, it sort of resonated with me that sometimes it's hard, but do it anyway. And, yeah. uh, and Tom, as you're, you're speaking about that, I'm thinking of um, of the first of the four pillars of the fathers of St. Joseph, uh, the apostolate that really encourages men to step up in their role of father. And there's four pillars. And the first one is embrace silence. I think it goes on to embrace the woman, embrace the child, embrace charitable authority. But it all starts with embrace silence. And they say that a lot of people want to run to the other three and kind of just, all right, check, you know, embrace silence. Yeah, check that box and then go. But it all starts there and nothing else will work in our lives as fathers and for those listening who aren't fathers as a single man or woman, as a mother, as a friend, life, <laughs> life in general will not work without that silence with our Lord. It just, it, it's, it's impossible. What struck me uh, most importantly, David, was the, the fact that this is a widow who had no one to protect her, no one to provide sustenance for her. And someone had done something that was not just and so she was only demanding, as it says here, the, the rights of the chosen ones. And I heard a homily on Monday that profoundly affected me in that I was able to reflect upon many of the years before now. And I realized that for many years I've been addicted to the lies of Satan that exist in the world around me. This is what you have to do in order to achieve enough success or to acquire enough security to provide for your family. You need to reach this level or do this or accomplish this. And I haven't been listening as often to God as I should have. I've I've always considered myself a man who prayed and did count on God. But I wasn't praying at all times. I wasn't always asking for decisions in every single thing. And often I was making those decisions to try to pursue things that would best help me able to take, take care of my family and provide for the things that had to be done. But I listened very often to the words of Satan who was saying, go after those things that you can acquire, that you can have, that you can do, that you can achieve, instead of just listening to his guidance about go here, talk to me. Okay, and I keep quiet and listen for a while. 
and look for links. You talk about the heavenly kisses. We see those heavenly kisses if we keep quiet and we look around us. One big learning lesson God took me on the last couple of weeks is this. You know, when a person comes to my mind now, it's, it's a flag that says, pray for that person. And I never thought about that, but that's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. This could have been a long lost school friend. It could have been somebody who hurt me. It could have been whatever. It could be someone running for president of the United States. When that person comes to mind, to me, that's the spirit that's connecting all of us that, that's letting me know they need, they need prayer. And it's okay that I don't know why they need prayer, but that gives me another opportunity to pray for somebody. And I think God gives us those little nudges, those little, little uh, heavenly kisses to say, hey, be a blessing to this person. Be a blessing to that person. You know, and, and many times it's people that have passed. You know, a friend who passed, and he'll come to my mind, and the Lord's like, why do you think that happened? Pray for him. I'm like, wow, that's powerful that we can be these intercessory prayer warriors for those both here on earth and through those who are going through that purgation period to help them on their journey home to heaven. So for me, I don't want to miss an opportunity to pray for someone that cut me off in traffic, that, that zoomed past me at 100 miles an hour. You know what? They need our prayer. They need to have the eyes of their hearts open. So again, the, there's not a shortfall of opportunities to prayer if we're silent and we listen. And you know, that not only connects us to, to God in prayer, but it also connects us with our brothers and sisters who, we, who we're praying for in a very special way. So I think one interesting thing about this gospel that I, that I noted um, is this idea, and Jesus does this in other places too, and, with, and I'm thinking about the dishonest steward. I'm thinking about when he asks a question, you know, who among you, if your son or daughter asked for a, you know, for a fish would give him a serpent or, you know, that type of thing. But here he uses the example of a unjust judge to, to demonstrate that if even this guy would do the right thing, how much more would God, you know? But he used that with the dishonest steward. Like if the dishonest steward, if, even that guy can figure it out. Certainly we people who claim to be more heavenly ought to be able to figure it out. So it's interesting that Jesus will, you know, show that show God's goodness by comparing it against somebody who's not a good person, but who does the right thing just because the, you know, the persistence is here. The prayer is here. It's just this constant. And he's worried about his safety. You know, God's we're obviously God's not worried about his safety, but if even this guy will do the right thing, if you're persistent with him, how much more would God who's good, you know, and who loves you and who cares about you and who's all merciful, you know? So anyway, it's a, it's kind of, a, it's not an argument you see very often and, you know, but, uh, but Jesus seems to, to like to use that, you know. Well, and also, in the first sentence, it says, Jesus told his disciple a parable. And I wrote, I circled that. I thought, no, wait a minute. What is a parable? Well, I wrote down, a parable is a real-life story that has deep spiritual meaning. And for me, I need to ask God for the eyes to see those, those parables in my life today, the ears to hear them, and then ask God, what do you want to teach me through that? I believe, because it says in the scriptures, Jesus always taught in parables. Well, guess what? He's still teaching today 
in parables, real-life stories that happen to us every day that are meant for our edification, our purification, to help us grow in what? Holiness. To help us grow in perfection. Why? So that we can be perfectly formed in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ so that every human being that meets us throughout our day, in the workplace, at home, at church, wherever, they're actually meeting Christ who lives in us. And that's a daily journey. That's a daily purgation of the toxins of the world and a purification of Christ within us. So, I mean, that to me, a parable, it's happening every day of our life. And then you need to stop, and this is prayer, ask God the question, what did you want to teach me? And then listen. Just listen. Because it's in the silence that we truly hear the still, quiet voice within our hearts. This kind of just jumped out at me, too, of this uh, reading when uh, the widow says, render a just decision for me against my adversary. I was just wondering if she was, in a way, looking for revenge and she wanted someone to, you know, seek out revenge against her adversary. And God tells us revenge is mine. So if we ever have that in our hearts that we want to, you know, have revenge against someone, that we should go to him first rather than... I don't know. It just kind of jumped out at me, that line. Well, and also we have to be careful because Jesus flipped the tables on all the worldly ways. When someone is our adversary, they're actually our brother or sister that are hurting that need our prayers. They're not our enemy. And so we're called by God to love our enemies. And what's Mm -hmm. the greatest act of love that we can do for our enemies? Pray for them. Share God's truths with them. So for me, you know, that adversary, we need to pray for them. We need to do what's contrary to the world, which is take the bait, take an offense, you know, t- take up anger, take up hatred, take up, uh, you know, get get retribution. Stop that. That, in fact, would be an example of a just decision. Correct. Uh, a just decision <laughs> that gives calm to both people. Yes. Yeah. So we need to continue to pray for that heart of Christ, that heart of mercy, that heart of compassion, that heart of forgiveness. We need to be examples of Christ in the world. And that takes a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute communion with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you know what? It actually isn't hard if we surrender and we just invite God in to every situation. Be open, be listening, be responsive. I love Mary, who's the model disciple. You know, when she gets that invitation, she said, I am, and I'll use a different word, but I am the servant of the Lord. She uses handmaid. Be it done to me according to your word. That's a full and complete surrender. Because that's important, because we we read here at the end, and it says this, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth. Because, see, the book of James tells us that faith without works, which means, oh, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in God the Father, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in heaven, I believe in hell, that's lip service. Because faith without works is dead. We also know as Catholics, we can't work our way into heaven. We can't do enough good stuff because works without faith is dead. We also know, and James sums it up, that faith faith lived out in works of love is the combination. And so when God comes, he's going to look 
for an abundant harvest of the fruit of love, which comes from the total surrender and gift of our life back to God so that he can use us to be his hands, his feet, his heart, his mind, his lips, so that we can feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the sick, care for the poor, give shelter to the homeless. That's the works of love. That's what Jesus is talking about. Now, do you think Mary could have given her yes without a a personal, private, interior life? She had a life of prayer, right? She was was ready, you know? Um, So whether we pray, you know, at home with our families, if we pray at schools in front of people, if we pray, you know, we need that, that Jesus wants us to come away. He wants us to come away and, uh, and have that time where he can fill us up because then we can pray and, and be prepared if someone off, you know, if, if someone needs prayers right on the spot, if you don't have, you know, if you don't have that in you, you're not gonna be able to share it with anybody. So Jesus wants to take us away to a quiet place and and form us into the prayer warriors that not only he wants us to be, but that our families and friends and the world around us need us to be. And you know what, for Mary, I don't think it was a once and done. I think it was a daily choice, as it is for me, a daily surrender, a daily choice to say, be it done to me according to your will. I surrender my will to your will. Because right after that happened, next thing you know, Mary finds out they're looking to kill her child. Mm. She has to flee to a country that doesn't even want her around, which is in Egypt. You know, and I mean, then her child's lost at age 12. I mean, there's so many things. I believe it's a daily surrender to the will of God. And then that asking for the grace to be able to follow his will every moment of every day. And the the, the litmus test, the fruit of that, yes, is the fruit of the Spirit. If we are experiencing peace, joy, love, gentleness, kindness, amidst the, you know, the, the waves of the world, the, the stuff that's going on, then I believe we're being led by the Spirit. This morning we were studying the difference between the words servant and disciple. And a servant is one who... It's pretty obvious what that means. But disciple is someone who actually lives with someone and absorbs everything they're doing, is with them when they eat and with them when they sleep and with them all day long. And and Mary, Mary and Jesus were like that all the time he was growing up. And afterwards, when she became the first disciple, she followed him even then. And they were connected enough where he was able to understand what she meant in words that were deeper than just the words she was uttering. But we have to develop that kind of relationship with Jesus and ask him to guide us to be disciples, not just servants. Because there's a big step in the difference is being able to hear him, being able to think ahead and understand what he would say to us, but also to continue to ask him. Because bottom line, God wants us to be world changers. He wants to bring his son, Jesus Christ, back into this world here and now through our yes. So God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-1111.
Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.